and the herd ran in fear. And the dark ones, children of the worm, walked the streets in the day. I turned my head from the sight. The phoenix told me, this is as it shall be, but not as it should. The phoenix left me then. Now I cannot dream. I can only remember the signs, each one in perfect detail. These are the last days. May Gaia have mercy on us. 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse, a review podcast. Hi everybody and welcome back, for me at least, to <laughs> 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse as we continue our uh, our draw through the books here for Werewolf. Um, we bring uh, pretty much to a most, I, w- I would say an interesting book because it's titled Cairn Places of Power. And uh, before we kind of scratch the surface and get into it, remember my etiquette, I of course am accompanied by Nick. Howdy. And of course, Chris. How you doing, Chris? Hey, everyone. And of course, these are my compatriots, the uh, the amigos, as were said. Um, and why this book is weird is because it's basically a book of Cairns. Uh, there's a whole slew of Cairns here, one for every tribe, and even the Black Spiral dancers get one. And that's not the entirety of this book. It talks about moon bridges. It talks about some unique uh, gifts specifically uh, to that, and we'll get into some of that. Um, however, without further ado, I'm going to have DJ, or Chris, as we interchange his name. Uh, to take a stab at the intro story. The intro story is otherwise known as Fragments of a Whole. And what the story is about, essentially, is a whole bunch of cubs are kind of gathering around and Lieutenant Elder's telling the story of how this cairn came to be. Uh, this cairn is known as the Cairn of the One Moon. And what's interesting about the story is that it, it speaks about this legend, uh, this Utena who's known as Breathes in the Desert, and how the wily Utena had caused the, the cairn to be. How it ends up happening, folks, for lack of a better term, is Breathes in the Desert manages to steal himself a. Um, a black spiral dancer fetish, which comes in the form of a shroud. And depending on how the shroud is worn, certain powers amplify and it's supposed to normally amplify certain auspices. Um, lo and behold, uh, this Utena go sleeps underneath the moon and he starts going into a dreamlike state. He dreams that he becomes lovers with Luna. And during that period in time, he gets to witness Luna in all her glory through different phases. Oh, I know, right? It's interesting. What's even crazier about it, though, is that um, he sees Luna kind of play around with the shroud as well. And not only <laughs> does he get her in specific aspects of herself, but it starts rapidly changing to the point where he sees every single one of those aspects of herself all play out simultaneously. So both contradictory and in her fullness, it, it plays well as an allegory to mention how the moon could be, how capricious and fickle the moon might be. But at the same token, you get to see all of her. He wakes up to the sound of uh, the howling black spiral dancers coming after him. And as he gets into combat with them, um, he gets to utilize all the abilities after having witnessed Luna the Shroud. He amplifies his power. He does things that nothing should have been ever made for the for this particular auspice, and he scares everyone away. Uh, why this becomes important is a couple of months later, a couple of years later, uh, he started to gather, but this this location in which he had slept under might be the new Cairn location. Um, there was another character who happened to be a menace by the name of Anhai, and apparently she was very attractive and great, and she could sing, but her menace deformity was that she had another mouth in her throat. Um, she, unfortunately for her, she, uh, she kind of saw it as uh, <laughs> something that someone might not be interested in, so she ran away with Black Spiral Dancers, knowing full well that she carried some of the uh, location for the Cairn itself. Breeze didn't care about it. He was like, we got this. One way or another, we're still going to continue down the road. Fast forward a little bit more. They're about to go ahead and enact uh, the awakening of the Cairn. And she shows up. She shows up with other Black Spiral Dancers. She she goes after it. Um, Black Spiral Dancers go to work, run amok. 
and she gets to her uh, to breathes and starts to confront him. Lo and behold, plot twist: she's his daughter. This menace is his daughter, and he goes, "You know, you should have never turned me away. Uh, anyone I could prove to you that we could do this." He's like, "I'm not going to resist you. We're here for a reason." Kills her father in a mad glory hole. Starts going like, "Hey, we could do this. I could show you and prove to you that any Utena could be able to raise any Karen." Says the words of power, activates it. Black spiral dancers consume her, and in the process, the remainder of the Utena also remove the black spiral dancers from happening. And uh, lo and behold, that's the the beautiful and sad story of how that Karen came to be. And it's interesting because in this uh, Legend of the Guru, it basically, as it says in the contents, is a lesson on Luna and the sacrifices required of Cairns. Yet in your description, it'd be a little hard to get that point. Yeah. Like if I just read that out the gate, it's like there's a lot going on here, right? Some deep uh, designs and thoughts. And uh, basically, it's to wet your whistle. It's to let you know that every place you're about to read in this book, there's, there's heavy content, historical content about why they're so important and so powerful. And to that end, we talk about the first thing they have in the book. That is mechanics. The mechanics first, because the rest is story. Um, not that you don't have stats. I'll be the first to tell you that. Every Karen in here has stats of the elders you'll see here, the Bond, and some maps included, and the gifts they have, and all that fun stuff. All that content is a heavy, target-rich environment, as they say. But a little undiscussed so far has been about moon bridges. Uh, Nick, tell us, what, what is a moon bridge? Like, what's this book reveal? Well, uh, a moon bridge is kind of like a, the way they describe it, it's almost like a, a negotiation between two uh, Cairn spirits to allow a, a loon spirit to create a connection between them. And that, that is the moon bridge. And the, and the loon spirit, of course, is going to be what transfers people from one side to the other in their, uh, their weird stretchy out tunnel thing. But uh, without the, that negotiation between the two Cairns, there's some interesting things that kind of pop up. Before, for the quick and dirty, that moon bridge is just how you connect two places and negotiate with a loon spirit to, well, carry a whole group of people there. That's it. Um, I would like to say it's more involved. And of course there's, there's tips and tricks, but the impression given is that uh, whenever I've heard people use moon bridges, like you can just go to a Cairn and use a moon bridge and hop to another Cairn answer is yes. If they're mapped together. <laughs> yeah, right? You can. And, and, and you know, there's other, there's other circumstances where you, where you, you can, but it's way harder. Uh-huh. And there's other other circumstances where you can, and it's we don't know what's going to happen. Well, forget this. We're just going to do it then, okay? So if a moon bridge <laughs> is a loon that stretches itself out so far, like over a thousand miles, right? A thousand miles is its base, and it's based right. on the strength of the cairn. The cairn helps fuel the loon spirit's destination, and that loon basically never never being a degree sharper than ten degrees that you travel upon, it is forced <laughs> speedily shooting you through there uh, to get from point A to point B. That simple, and it's typically a secured route. Because it takes two cairns to connect, at least in this uh, moon bridge sample they give you. Now, there are other moon bridges, not to be confused, right? A ragabash could take a moon bridge. And as you said, Nick, uh, j- well, it'll go where it goes. I know yeah. that's I know that sounds weird. If they get into a cairn, they can go, hey, let's just take a moon bridge. Let's go to the heart of the cairn. I'll use my gift. Hop on the moon bridge. Follow me. We'll go wherever it's supposed to take us. Funny thing about Luna. Remember that part where DJ mentioned that uh, Luna is capricious? She has many faces. Things she could show you. I did. So do the loons. And you can. Uh, eh, there's a mechanic where you can have fun randomly seeing where, you, where this ragabash ends up. Could be the heart of Malpheus, right? The very <laughs> bad place. It just it just depends. And to the ragabash, I guess that's a thumbs up moment. However, there are other gifts where you can take a moon bridge still, but to a lesser degree, right? They talk about a uh, rank four gift uh, one's able to obtain where they can open a moon bridge automatically and take that to go from one destination to another, but not as vast. A very mini yep. version of travel. And that one seems to be, well, there's a reason it's rank four. Yes, it's easy to do, or, or excuse me, I won't say easy to do. It's a strategy. 
If you had to travel a great distance to get to somewhere else, but linking the Cairns wasn't a way to go about it, or you have a group of lupus or secrecy is a thing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. This is a great alternative as well. But we're not referring to that when it comes to this book solely. That's all individual and that's there and that's great. And those gifts can highlight that. But what we're talking about is what is the coolest thing about a moon bridge? Well, number one, you can go thousands of miles, like from Chicago with the Windcatcher's Cairn and can go to Saskatchewan to the Winter Wolf Cairn, right? Provided, I believe it's the right master that has access to that uh, little little token uh, that is needed for the uh, the ritual itself. Uh, that, stone. Yeah, the pass stone that enables uh, one connected point to another. And all these cairns are mapped for a reason, because they connect all the tribes to where they have to go, and in some extra places, as it outlines in this book. Um, cool part about this, this is also a form of attack. Yeah, that, that's it's interesting. Like, what, So why, what did you think about that? Attacking a cairn is important. People like to think all Guru are on the same side. It's all kumbaya, and we're hugging each other. These people haven't been listening to the podcast and haven't been reading the books. Uh, because... That's like saying all vampire clans get along because they're vampires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's false. It's just so, so it's the same thing for tribes. Now, the tribes have a unique thing. We're the living, and, we're, and we all agree, battle the worm. All of us, except for certain camps where we're deliberately being pigeonholed to have villainy because we want to have balance, right? We acknowledge that every single good guy ideal is going to have bad guys in it, and that's because that's, it's balanced that way. It's just realistic, and it's the world of darkness. Yep. So to that effect, Geta Fenris have this bad stigma camp that stuck with them that they're trying to wipe out and eventually do get rid of, sort of. I say sort of, you never completely get rid of Dr. Doom, you just destroyed a Doom bot, <laughs> right? That's how it works. Um, this, uh, excuse me, the ultimate villains, the Shadow Lords, I would say, own the crown at always being considered a villain, but the joke's on you. The Shadow Lords are more pragmatic. These guys willingly accept the villainy title because they have to do what your highfalutin morals won't allow you to do. They have to make the hard call and the hard decisions. And accordingly, if that's play the role of villain, so be it. Also, the Shadow Lords are one of the ones that because they take that route, honor is a thing. And they mm. have a they have a Karen in this book that highlights what that draws to their side in that term. Meaning there is a lot more to them uh, than just being the shadowy guys twirling mustaches and having assassin's clave that a lot of people tend to know them for. They're not contradictory to ruin you. They just believe that if you can't lead and you can't protect and they will do it for you. Now, this is going to sound familiar, because the get offenders say, if you're not strong enough to defend your cairn, then we will take it and do it for you. What do the children of Gaia believe? If you can't be at peace enough to maintain everyone and protect everyone, that, and that's everyone included, then we'll do it for you. The Black Furies, if you can't protect the innocents, kids, the wild, we'll do it for you. You get the idea, mm-hmm. yeah, right? But, but everyone wants to blanket their favorite as being the best, and then there has to be villains. So too these moon bridges then. When you look at it, it's how one might wage war. Like, if I want to jump the hollow heart cairn in the Amazon, because I know Gogol's fangs first has forgotten the face of his father, and I'm this badass get over here at the Sept of the Blood Fist in Germany, and we're the hardest of the heart out here, and Gogol may be a legend, he may be rank six, he's one get. And we have an army of hard pipe-hitting Germans that are purest of the pure, and I use that because these would be the idiots who decide that they're going to open a moon bridge, target the Amazon cairn, and they're going to give a warning, right? Theards to that uh, right master, right master to right master. We're sending in warriors. Do you accept them? Yes or no? Click here. And in the Amazon, <laughs> no one's no one's saying yeah. So there's a right they can do to attack that actual cairn and force an opening that allows them to go through and wage that war. And that is also highlighted. Nick, tell us a little bit more about that right. Um, the, the right. The, so the way that uh, that I was trying to understand Luna's spear is that it almost does like this. Um, this this battle between totems 
right? Where one one tries to attack another totem, and then based on how many successes and noses and everything you throw in there, um, it, it it will like either weaken or pierce any protection layer that those other those other Karen totems are, are putting up. So essentially, it's like well, it piercing their bubble of protection, which says you can't get through here, like a spear. Yes, exactly. It's why it's called Right of Luna's Spear. It's pretty much on the nose why it's there. And and it's great. It's how a right master would wage war to do it. However, notice what happens here. This right can be can be considered treasonous to the guru. Right. Gaia's vengeful teeth will await any who uh, teach it to the foes of the guru. And what that means is they acknowledge that they're going to inter-tribe fight, that this would happen. But just because my tribe chooses to wage war with another tribe doesn't mean we're against Gaia. We could have our reasons. I want you to think of what might have happened to the Red Talons in their heyday. When we said the Impergium's over, and they said, no, we're going to keep at it. And then it took some guru to go and convince them, and they might have had some Cairns and, you know, Silver Fang, yeah, go do it, leadership skill, whatever. They probably fought and had skirmishes, ground loss, and Red Tons like, all right, we acquiesce for now, but we're not happy about it. We're not asking you to be happy, we're just telling you what we're doing. And, you know, we, we could force these changes. Um, pretty much like, uh, you know, you always hear the joke about Texas always wanting to secede. You know, that's that's how I see that humor in it. Right. It's along the same lines. It doesn't mean Texas is not American. It just means they like their independence. That's all that is. And they're willing to fight for it. So be it. And uh, sort of the same thing here, although this is more hardcore. But also, werewolves aren't real. Right. So I'm just giving that analogy, perhaps in bad taste. But to roll through it with Moon. Well, one final thing about Moon Bridges should should mention it. No, they're not useful for just travel and people can die and blah, blah, blah. Um one of the coolest things about a moon bridge that they mention is that you could scout between point A to point B. Very difficult to do, but an aspiring group of players might be told that they're looking for uh, a lost uh, Karen or something like that, or some inventive storyteller will give a reason that they're looking for something between Chicago and the Amazon, just the states of stuff I already talked about. And as these people are traversing a moon bridge, maybe a theorge NPC or whoever, there's a story element where they're trying to catch glimpses of whom has traveled this moon bridge or what this loon might know. And they're talking to it the entire way and trying to talk to maybe something else and look off the moon bridge to see what they could find. Adventure can happen on these moon bridges and often does in, in yep. many werewolf settings. And don't forget that. And because remember the bridge is not a static, unfeeling thing. It's a spirit that has changed its form to allow you to use its properties to get from point A to point B. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Now to that end, we've highlighted a couple tribes in here. There's 14. We could talk the world to death about all 14 uh, Karens. Now, you know what I'm saying already. Bob's not going to go through the entire book. And no, no, we're not. No, we're not. It's a review of the book. We're trying to see if the book lives up to what it says. It says Karens, places of power. It says we're going to put in your hands our exact idea of what we had for the werewolf nation protecting their most sacred sites. And we're going to see if it lives up to uh, lives up to the task. Now, we went ahead and looked up what, what folks were calling their most popular tribes. So it's not just our opinion. Uh, what did we come up with, Nick? Well, what we uh, what we heard right off the bat, of course, was uh, surprising to me. Get a fan risk and uh, and, and shadow lords. Uh, then we heard Black Furies and and Fianna. So it's like, well, it's that that was what we were. That was what we were pulling. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting way different answers. I was expecting, well, uh, a, a lot of different things. I was expecting more like uh, more Children of Gaia, more Red Talon and, and all that stuff. But, but that's 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 what came up. So I want to state out the bat for us that this book is chalk filled with interest. There is nothing but interesting things in here. Now, we're going to attempt to give you a taste of it. Um, we're not going to be exhaustive because, you know, we want to want to give you flavor, jump to another one, talk about what we like about it, what we thought about it. Um, and as per usual, we all have read. We just didn't collude notes before we're jumping into it. So it's not a boring thing we're talking about. Um, so to that end, though, I want to add we threw in an ad lib. Oh, unbeknownst to a lot of people, my favorite tribe is actually the Black Spiral Dancer. Stuff FYI. 
They're 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 my ultimate. Um, why? Because I like a good villain. Well, is, it, what, is it the White Howlers or is it actually like the Black Spiral yes, Dancers? Yes, is that answer. Right? <laughs> it's, it is. Ever since I heard the story, read the story of the when they were just the White Howlers and how they did something I considered courageous, very courageous. Mm-hmm. You know, the world's changing. Gaia's going to get, we saw all the signs. We're all going to get ruined, blah, 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 blah. And all these other pups decided we can't hack it anymore or it's too, too big to handle, blah, 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 blah. These guys went, where does the worm exist? It's in the ground. Well, we know that. We know the ground. We'll go get it. Don't worry. You sit tight. And they went to get it done. It it takes a Scotsman not to know when to tap out. And that's exactly where it is. (laughs) Now, Bob, you seem to like characters that believe in strength and whatever. No, I believe in hubris. I think hubris makes a great story for the heroes that come after, right? The heroes in the wake of it. And what happens to the White Howlers is they get corrupted by the worm. The worm sees that they won't tap and their uh, unwillingness to give in, um, not to it, but to their own fate. Like you're here to prove something too hardcore and there's no way you're big enough to handle it. But nobody, nobody would also come help them, right? This is mimicked a couple times in the history of the guru, but this right here should have been the hardest lesson learned. And it is, this is what terrifies them that if a whole entire tribe can get corrupted, then regurgitated, right? The word devours them spiritually. It spits them back up to come how to kill their kinfolk and steal, steal this and kill others and all sorts of villainy that the black sprout dancer would have. And madness is their calling card that people fear to even talk about them. Right at the mooch, you don't mention them, and when they do, there's a specific right to do it under, and everyone turns their backs as the story's being told to look outward to make sure that just by saying their name doesn't call them to them because that's the myth, that's the rule that once you mention them, odds are you're gonna see them. Right? Scary, scary things will go with the black sparrows, but they have a really unique and cool way of looking at just how insidious the worm can get, and uh, also some interesting uh, super villains, I'll say, <laughs> for lack of a better term, like canon villains. Um, our birth there in, uh, in, in their grouping. And we'll get to their idea of what a hive is. Because after all, they don't call them Cairns for Black Spirals. They're called hives. And that's the deal. Um, but we're going to kick this off. We're going to go over to Black Furies. And I'm going to turn it over to Chris. If you want to boot this up in order. And uh, Chris, my man, I'm going to educate you here. I told you we'd do a little different. I want you to just have fun with it. Tell us what the Cairns about. Go over it a little bit. But then give us the highlights, your favorite points. Sure. Um, so for the Black Furies, that they've chosen Greece uh, as a geographical uh, location uh the name of the set is known as a set of bygone visions but what's cool about it is the way that the story or rather this chapter presents itself is that it lets you know right off the bat like what type of level it is what type of gone what type of people you'd probably find here um specifically you obviously know there's gonna be black furies here but it also tells you who is or isn't going to be allowed to be here um of course you do get your female visitors but not everyone gets to come and in this edition males are still strictly banned from showing up as are any get and or any shadow lords of, of either sex there's a reason for this though and we'll get into that in a bit um, outside of the geography, what I thought was really cool is that it, they give you a map of how this cairn comes to exist because it's a gigantic island. Um, it gives you the the points of the cairn itself. And what I thought was really cool was the fact that many people, especially because it is known as a set of uh, bygone visions, that there's this pool that they look into. And as they look into the pool, you might get certain types of things, uh, certain truths that are given to you or certain types of guidances. Um, but that's not all, folks, because much as Bob was mentioning a little bit earlier, Werewolves are their own duplicitous selves, and sometimes if they get a visitor they don't like who happens to visit the pool, uh, they'll give them the wrong vision or have them do tasks that they want them to go ahead and take care of. It's like, maybe you should take out the garbage. I, I just got a vision. I should really be cleaning up this place. Awesome. Uh, so that I thought that was, that was pretty funny there. Um, the thing that I enjoyed about it is that they talk about the womb. What is the womb? The womb is actually one of the coolest things that this Karen has. It's this pocket umbra that exists in which your freebooters that we've spoken about in previous supplements come to deposit the artifacts that they've all gathered. 
Uh, they mentioned that way in the past past, they had a couple of artifacts there, but ever since the Get Offenders had come and had attempted to take over the Cairn, um, it had quote-unquote collapsed and or they lost a good couple of artifacts, and that's what they tell people. But in all reality, those artifacts still do exist. Yes, Bob? We got to, we got to defend that a little bit. Right? We got to dig into the history of Ted, because it's Uh-oh. like we're saying that the Get just run around and jump islands and had no reason or purpose. Let's <laughs> let's get into the ignorance of the Get Offenders first. You got to remember these these this tribe is sitting around believing because of this totem Fenris. And th- imagine all the wolves are one, right? Just back in the day, it's Pangaea. We're all one tribe. We're running around doing what Gaia put us here for, and that's the battle of the worm and the balance, blah blah blah. And as we're all running around, there's these strength that we universally have, and it's no big deal. But one one wolf is proving itself to be stubborn and stronger than the others. Let's say it's there. It's not wise, right? It doesn't have any forethought, doesn't have any sense of necessary strategy beyond pack, right? And its attributes are to fight all day long and always be hunting, and you get the idea. That maybe a runner-up to it, um, this, this could have been the precursor for the Red Talons as well, we don't know. But there's attributes to every tribe that we're talking about that are common. Happens to get a Fenris at its strength, and they never let it go, just like no one else lets go of what makes them them. So when they mm-hmm. eventually fragment and become different tribes, these poor getters saddled with trying to prove this, that they're the strongest at all times. It's a tradition that nobody knows where it came from. And what do they do? It comes from great Fenris. We all know who Fenris is, right? Everyone listening knows who Fenris is. You, you assassins, Creed Valhalla ruined it if you didn't know. Everyone knows, right? <laughs> you have an idea. In Norse mythology, it's there. You're not looking for the weak, right? There's no way you can look at that at all and say, okay, well, get a Fenris must mean that if they're the get of Fenris, they're the pups of Fenris, so they must be like statisticians, doctors. No, they believe it's strength to constantly be testing to prove themselves that they're that. Now, why I go that hard on it? Because there's Shadow Lords involved in this assault on this island. That would be correct as well. It was not just the Get of Fenris. Now, why is that? This island has visions. This island of pure Black Furies is out here doing what they do. And originally, it was because there were five women chosen, according to Guru Lore, right? Five women chosen that were visited by Guy and entrusted with five artifacts. Yep. And what they did was that they started... Well, kicking the crap out of a whole bunch of worm-tainted Greek heroes, right? That you would hear stories about later on. You could see this. What happens is they end up getting killed eventually. However, these artifacts were given to their daughters, and they, they were hidden. They were referred to as daughters of the, of the, of the Gorgons by pe- the Incarna of Pegasus itself, yep. right? So the first five chosen by Gaia die because they're hunted and they're killed. So now we got to have a place of peace because we're supposed to hide it. The daughters of the Gorgons, as Pegasus comes down and names them, dubs them Black Furies, renames them. And it's because mm. Pegasus is pissed. Guy entrusted them with this. You came along and killed them. Why'd you do that? No one knows. And it doesn't care what the answer is, because now you're not doing it ever again. And and there it is. And he has his chosen. And uh, or it's a horse. So I really she it whatever it's a spirit chooses these black fairies. They go and make an island. Now, why it's important is because out in Greece at this time, there are vampires, right? That's almost the number one thing I saw in this issue that opened my eyes about it, that they're at war with the Venture who are over in Greece. And why? Because when they mention worm tainted Greek heroes, think of the history that could come from that. They don't get specific, but you can attach it. If you could even look at vampiric history a little bit, what are the attributes of vampires? Hard to kill, uh, blood usage, mind control, all their disciplines would warrant to be the demigods. You can see that for a little bit. Or they're from Ori and have strange and untold power doing the same thing. It's all the same to the worm, but we need someone to protect what Gaia has dubbed sacred. Here they are. And because of it, they get this island and a whole slew of protection that goes with it. Now, during this tumult, all we know for certain is that the Black Furies were daring enough to loot a Venture's vampiric magic collection, as they call it, during the sack <laughs> of Rome. Now, hey, if we know the Freebooters, that's not a surprise. It, it, <laughs> of course they are, right? And Matt, what I, what I like most about this, 
this Karen is so Black Fury in, in the fact that at the very heart of it, it's got the wild, but also it has this hidden treasure vault of all the crap that they can't let anybody touch, including themselves. They, right. they, they just lock it away. And did you catch the part in here where it said that like the vault itself has this hidden ability with like because of the wild that that grows rampant on this island where it shuts down the artifacts of the enemy. So they bring in worm tainted fetishes, yep. things like that, and it just shuts them down, makes them inert. It's kind of like the magic storage vault of all time. Two weaver, two worm goes down. Right. It's just yep. a done deal. But like, OK, so the Shadow Lords, they want these magic items. Why do they want them? And- uh Grandfather Thunder didn't come to them and tell them you five were selected <laughs> to defend blah, 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 blah. Here's some magic gold. Do what you can with it. Nobody did that. It's you can't keep that quiet. Why do they have visions and nobody else does in this island? It, it's jealousy. These try like what, whatever the reason they want it for themselves. That's what it is. Now, the Shadow Lords are wise to know we're not going to run up on the black frickin furies and try to take it from them. their super island. There's no way we're getting in there. We'll go. But we're going to be a little smart about this. Hey, get what are you going to get? We're like, we're on board. Come again. Uh, they're women, right? <laughs> you can assume that that's what the get did back in the day. They're like, what, what harm could they do? Welcome to getting your ass severely kicked. If they're so strong, they can prove it. Right. Exactly. And like when they show up, what happens? They, they don't even get off. I think they took over a villa is what happened looking right. at the island. And that's as far as they got. They never even yeah. touched it. Right. That's how badass this place is. And it's a testament, but they're not the only ones. Cause when that happens, the get talking, I, I, I literally blame this in the shadow Lords. That incursion fails, and the get-go, hmm, what would the Shadow Lords do? Uh, I don't know. We have a strong warrior that is willing to go over there. Um, we'll send a Theurge. Cool. And she's female. It'll be a slam in, right? Slam dunk. And that's exactly what they do. Yep. Because all women were welcome at this point. Yep. She goes in. She steals some stuff. She leaves. And Iona Kinslayer and, and friends, the Black Furies, hunt her down and kill her and recollect that fetish. Like, that's how cool this is. Like, we weren't playing around. Like, there are reasons why you're not allowed in, and it's not just because they're Black Furies. If you're ignorant and just read that little block of why the Karen is the way it is, you're going to go, typical Black Fury, only women in, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. No, how about we were open, we were betrayed, we were violated, we were assaulted. Let me take violated out of there. We were just betrayed and assaulted, and that's, that, that's it, and then those are your reasons. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't visit if you're a female from another tribe. It just means you're watched and you definitely aren't staying, right? And, and it says two tribes can't be there with good reason. Yeah, it, I mean, there's a there's a whole nother process too. like if you want to if you want to join as a visitor, there's rites and and rituals just as a visitor because mm-hmm. they, this place is so holy to them. So sacrosanct. This is like one of their main awesome places. They've got two of the great artifacts here that, that were handed down by by Loon and, or Artemis. However, you you choose to, to view that depending on what perspective you come from. But the idea is that um, the uh, even getting into the island requires trials that you have to go through you have to you have to be tested by the by the black Furies just as just to show up at the door it's a holy site it's that simple welcome yep. to our temple good luck to you and uh that's that and if you were meant to be here you would be now fun little easter eggs are in here too Bathory's chalice is one of the vampiric <laughs> one of the ba- vampiric things stolen that they that. got over here right um what is it rain of god's tears is a, is another item that's over here that's uh they call fetishes just because they call it fetishes because it's werewolf it's a werewolf supplement yeah right that's the whole point. If it's a magic item, it's a fetish. It's not wrong. Just it's what it is. Um, but there's two clans that really are offering all sorts of rewards to anyone who could locate the hiding place of these magic treasures. And I bet you could guess them in three, right? Tremere and the Giovanni. It's the two who would definitely win. We want all the gold, you know, right? And that's what it is. Now, why do they mention it here? Because, again, 
these can the cans of this book aren't just here to be like, oh, this is why the worms are awesome. They're building story, right? It's literally yeah. we're building all the plot you could want. We're building all the story you can have, and it's all set up here. So your job as a storyteller can focus on who? The pack, the story they wrote up for their characters, and how would it tether to the story you want to tell going forward in your chronicle? And this Karen can be a part of it. There's all sorts of story ideas and nuggets and things to link into it. You could probably guess. If even the Nazis heard about this island and wanted to get into it, and because they couldn't get to it in frustration, decided to bomb it, and it still didn't get rid of the island, you can imagine <laughs> there's all sorts you could do here. And I want to know. Am I the only one who thought that sounded like a Nina Jones plot? Yes. Yes, it's exactly what I thought of, right? And, in, uh, and, and it's not wrong, right? Fool society. That sort of stuff. And they, they heard about it when it was supposed to be, you know, forgotten. Because Iona Kinslayer does lie and say the island lost its magic and hopes everyone believed it. Yes, yeah, right. That's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. how intense people wanted what they have. And good luck to her, right? What it's saying. But that's enough about the Greek island of the Black Furies of Badasses, I would say. And uh, we're going to transition now, Nick, to you. And we're going to talk about the great Fianna. So the, the Fianna, of course, their, their sept is the, the sept of the tri-spiral, which, uh, which we're going to find in, surprisingly, Ireland. Uh, at a place called uh, Brugna Boyne, which is uh, the bend of the Boyne. Boyne's a river in uh, in Ireland, and these are kind of like these old traditional mass graves they have for for their heroes, kind of like uh, like barrows uh, of old, where they have these kind of intricate structures. And these are just uh, beautifully stacked uh, stones that uh, that create these like passages of the dead, um, or what do they call it uh, specifically, like passage graves. But they had their earthen mounds um, hollowed out, you know, stacked with stones. And uh, and it's a resting place they have of their heroes of old. And they these are the these are their natural places of power that they have. And they built these uh, kind of alongside of the Fae, which was something I wasn't quite expecting to see in here. <laughs> but it no, it, it's actually it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome how, how well integrated these are kind of in, in just the, the creation of this entire sept. So this sept is actually three different sites that form like a, a holy triangle of some sort. And then, you know, they line up for places of power. And then that's a smaller part of a bigger triangle, which is different sets. And, and it's pretty cool um, the way that the geometry of everything lines up. And they have these intricate stone circles that are very um, reminiscent of, uh, of Avebury, uh, like uh, the, the place outside um, Stonehenge, where they have a very similar kind of burial stones and, and, and sacred sites. Uh, mapped out the way that they do here but this place in particular it has these these weird hollow centers in these burial mounds which are inaccessible by any means other than going through the umbra which is cool but inside each of these it has its own like little special part that this is for so some of them are for like performing cool rites other ones are for you know like uh storing um magical uh items and things like that or fairy treasures like that that's a real thing they hold like weird cursed fairy things if you steal it then you know you get the the leprechaun's curse on you or or whatever it is <laughs> it's not a leprechaun it's a fae but you know what i mean right like the that's the one everyone can relate to <laughs> one of them is uh in particular it's it's kind of like a granary storehouse it's a it's a cairn of plenty and inside there is like this giant banquet hall that's just filled with food and no matter how much you eat you never run out of food and uh in times of famine they'll invite their kinfolk in and everything like that. And they'll distribute that, you know, the abundance of food to, to kind of everything else. Cause you can see that they have that, that spirit of, uh, you know, of sharing and shepherding their kinfolk along with them. And that transitions to, to these different cairns. And when I say cairns, I mean, cairns, cause it's the tri spiral sept, but it's three individual cairns with three hearts. 
Um, but it's all considered one big set. So, so how do you think they're able to accomplish that, guys? I mean, like if it's if it's three different cairns, why are they calling it one one cairn, right? In its, its place of power, they got one entry, and they rank it at, at rank five. How, how do the three make that happen? Well, it's a sept, um, and the three of them together are the sept. Well, like if you go by if you go by the book, though, it could be a little confusing because a cairn is a holy site. Yeah, mm. right. That's what that's that's what it is. The cairn is the place where the wall is the weakest to go across to the umbra. That simple. Something happened there that makes it unique. No matter if it was some great emotional thing or it was willingly done spiritually or just it's been here enough times used for enough rights to, to thin that wall. Um, they, they re- refer to that as a cairn. It's a holy site. You open the cairn and get a spirit drawn to it that defends and protects it. But does that mean the same spirit defends and protects three cairns? Is that what goes on? Yes. Uh, it's, but unfortunately it's not just one spirit. It's kind of, it's a, it's a pair of spirits. Uh, stag, of course, you know, it, it's Viana. Of course we're going to see stag. Uh, but there's also uh, another one called uh, Dana or or Dana. I'm not sure which, which is a, a spirit that is specific to these to these cairns. And they don't go into a lot of detail about it. So if, it, if it's brought up somewhere else, I, I've missed it. But so, it, it, it sounds like a, an ancient uh, an ancestor spirit of some sort, um, like a, a hero of old. And that's exactly how you have to see it. You're not certain what spirit was drawn to it. But is it an ancestor spirit? No, it won't be. It's it's totemic. It has some cloud. Right, that's who came here. But Stag sits at the helm. Stag's the tribal one, so it's assumed that Dana or Dana or how how it's pronounced, I think it is Dana, um, would be someone that Stag brought from its own hierarchy, as it was yeah. to help out in this this binding of the tri spiral. And that's and that's why you have it. It's the best that we can get to it. But what I like about it is it makes it unique. We all like unique, and because it's unique, you're not going to confuse this with any other Cairn construction. In fact, it's the, it's the only one I, I've seen that does that. And that makes it very powerful. That's why it's a rank five cairn. Pretty cool. I think that one of the other things about it is the the fact that they are also involved here, and each one of those specific cairns has something to do with it. So, for example, like the New Grange uh, talks about having uh, access to the Samhain, or when Samhain comes around, that's where you refill your notices because you're also honoring certain things where the veil and or the umbra is like the thinnest. Um, at the north, there's gold everywhere, but you're not supposed to touch the gold in any way, shape, or form. And especially when it comes to the Douth, which is that that grain storage place. Um, they tell you not to eat everything. Yeah, there, there's always going to be food, but don't become gluttonous. So there's always that little bit of a little of, uh, of stuff um, to kind of give you the influence of the Fae being around and having their mark uh, made upon the Piana. You want to know what I thought was cool? Yeah. And, and like, no, no, no BS cool is that they keep on putting things in here, like the, the positions of windows, um, the, the, the setting of stones to line up with the solstices, to line up with sunrises, to line up with all these important events. There's one Cairn that pretty much opens up like the, the gauntlet disappears at a specific part in the winter solstice when the sun rises, shines through a window and hits carvings. It just melts away the gauntlet like as, as a holy. That is probably the coolest thing without question. It's a, it's having that age, that, that, that old, old, old world tradition and, and, and thought and process built into this. I agree with you. I also like the fact that they have um, the Twatha the Danan, as I butcher that, nobles. And that, that would be the, the high fae, right? This would be yep. the legendary fae leaders. Their ashes are stored inside the barrows of these cairns and protected by the werewolves. The Fianna yeah. itself is being sacred. So that more than hammers home in canon the relationship between the Fianna and the fae. That, it's, that this is the place where that's met. That's why it's cool to see that they mention the fae at all and that it's here. That's also why, if you were wondering why the Fianna gets some pretty cool gifts or fetishes that seem to be fae-linked, that's why they have a relationship and they're proud of it and they should be. That's one of the coolest uh, connections in the world of darkness cross. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Cross type. I guess we could say um, when yeah. you link them in. 
that's one of the things that I think go easily and smoothly uh, for what it ha- for what happened, right? And uh, obviously, the uh, interesting part uh, was a Brone Macfion uh, leading intercept is an is an iconic Fiana that is used throughout uh, War of the Apocalypse, and at least in my in my observance, there's a lot of games I've seen him used and played in LARPs and actual tabletops where they just can't get rid of Brone. Uh, and one of them is he's always drunk. That's the thing that it'll, it'll never stop cracking me up or the many scenes where it's like the, the drinking challenge of Brone McFeon. I don't know who thought of this. I don't know why this keeps being thrown out, but let me tell you, it's fun. I'm not even, uh, oh, uh, sure. We could look at the fact that it's not stereotypical. Over, but we're not even looking at that, right? Um, all of Europe drinks American at the table most times. So we could just, we could just go with that fact, but Ireland has a special love and, uh, that's, uh, the, uh, majestic art of having fun at a party. They're like they just—they're known for it, right? And that's the—and that's ironic, considering uh, what the what the reality is. But this book does does it justice, and that Bron McFeon seems to fit right along with that. At I, least I could get behind that. Like when I was a when I was young, when I was in my twenties, I, I lived by a rule, which is you don't know anybody until you get drunk with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it makes perfect sense. It literally in the role playing notes it says, "Trust no stranger until they share your brew." <laughs> um, I love it. I think it's pretty cool that the Fianna have a, have a unique element that they're going to make their, their own mead, their own drinkable alcohol that they share in, in the camaraderie and building things. It's like, let's have a few sips, get a Fenner's calm down, calm down. Now let's go <laughs> fight the real enemy. Who? Yourself. Your ego's too big, but let's wrestle it so you could really fight. That's, that's like not unheard of between the tribes that have a good time and cool them out. And the Fianna and Get have a very uh, interesting relationship because of it uh, to the positive. They don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but they do see eye to eye on a good time. And of course, test of strength, which are always welcome uh, to both. <laughs> To that end, uh, transitioning over, unless you guys had another comment on the old tri-spiral, we get to the Sept of the Blood Fist. This is the uh, Get of Fenris. Now, uh, I'll just take the helm here to let you know that the Get don't have, it's not a rank five, Karen, not even a rank four. It's a wee rank three. However, they're very proud of the Sept, right? It's in the Black Forest of Germany. I've, I've said this left and right because my, my typical play of the Get of Fenris, I love coming from here because it's simple, uh, but it's always because of the history, right? Now, to give an idea, lay of the land, uh, it's a place that's somewhat uh, uh, mountainous, but it's definitely filled out. And I mean by that, it's settled. Their kinfolk live amongst them. There are people uh, from villages and whatnot all over the place near here. It's Germany, right? However, in the world of darkness, the Black Forest exists. And the trees are very, well, it's more like a national park. And as it describes it, there are parts of the Black Forest where there's no vehicle passing through because of all the trees they have here at this point. I was corrected already in real life about the Black Forest that you're not going to find it in Germany anymore. I get you, but leave my fun game alone. Imagination Land works there, and in this book, it's that, <laughs> and it's it's pretty cool. Because guess what, werewolves aren't there either. Just to add that, but it is cool to hear about it. Now, why is it cool? Yeah, it's get a Fenris. Yeah, they're tough people. Yeah, they like to walk around in their challenges and being gets being get. But they got some rules coming to this, Karen. First and foremost, and that if you come here, inevitably you're going to fight somebody. It's going to happen. It's a challenge of strength. It's considered a hello. Now yeah, I find you know, that just like as uh, just as the Fianna don't trust anyone who doesn't drink with them, the Get don't trust anyone who doesn't fight with them. Mm. <laughs> it's as simple as that now bob it's a little like canebro you're playing werewolf that the, you, you got krenos it's canebro already but doesn't mean you can't have a good story with it and this is no <laughs> different right you're gonna come in like why are you going to get a fenris cairn which is a strength-based cairn right the totem here the wild boar answered the call to be here not fenris now the tribal structures get a fenris but they respect boar a wild boar will mess you up in the wild if you come across it in the wrong way and they're territorial and they're great and they get love them and clearly they do and that's why they're here to respect that. This land is about territory, but it's they have a weird feel of it, right? But you walking in and it's like, great, let's wrestle around. Let's see who's strongest. And you dive in and have at it without much whining. What's cool is most likely they'll help you. 
pass or fail, right? You're going to be heard and we're going to see. And if we can, we will. But if you go there and you're like, you know, I'm a child of Gaia and I, I, we need warriors to come help our problems. Yeah, they might help you and then take over your cairn. Yeah. Right. Expect that. You're inviting people to assess you and your ability to be a werewolf is really what I always get the feel of, you know, with the get it's a constant test, constant pissing ground. Um, why is that fun? I enjoy the fact that you're given a responsibility and that they have a tribe who relentlessly pursues that responsibility uh, to, to, to a fault, admittedly. And that blindness makes them an interesting choice and can open up a lot of doorways and opportunities for other members in the pack to not be get and help round out that stubbornness and maybe open um, more role play, which, which I'm always about. Now, more to this Cairn, there's, there, there is a thing that I think is unique about their history that I, I wonder. Hmm. First off, they claim that they were uh, able to throw off the, the Roman assault, right? The, the Holy Roman Empire specifically uh, decided they're going to, what is it, 8 BC, between 8 BC, 9 BC to 9 AD. Thank you, 9 BC, 9 AD, uh, that the Romans managed to conquer most of the Black Forest, but they never managed to gain a foothold in the area where the Sept of the Black Fist now stands, and that's important. However, here's where they tank it, and I really wish they never said this, but it's in print. The more boastful the get claimed that many Black Furies were taught their proper place in the 19-year attempt to conquer the area. No one really believes this by these boasts are, are accurate. No one believes that they're accurate. But the fact that they throw shade at all to the Black Furies, I would have asked the writers so bad. For what no your, reason. For no reason. What's your deal? <laughs> what happened? Like, like you just, hey man, screw them. I, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm speechless. Like, whenever I read stuff like that, going through these books, I'm like, and now we wonder why. Like I said, we would find it. Like we would look for the reasons as to why people had a huge problem with get. And I'm like, yeah, over the years I played Werewolf off and on and we had it because vampires weren't popular. You really didn't have a steady chronicle. But now that we're going through it, I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, when you put it together, it's what is it? Guys get raped. That's terrible. Women are kind of weaker. Black Fury's kind of, you're not as good as get. Get feel you should be challenged all the time. Hey, if, you know, Black Fury's blah, blah, blah. If you were good enough, it's like, what are you doing? What are you, <laughs> like, like have yeah. that. Well, you need a good rivalry. Didn't you have that already? Wasn't there enough to do? It's just an interesting point, but we get it. We see, we see where the, we agree with you. There's a disparity in the yep. feel of the tribe, but also there is no ability here, and it's uh, yeah, clean it up on your own. It's 2021, easy fix. Here's what I like about this sept, and uh, it, it, I mean, obviously, you gotta you gotta blow right past this because trust me, I'm already I'm already way past this. Like that section didn't even exist because <laughs> some I, denial. I, yeah, yeah. But they they talk about the. Uh, like going into the umberscape in, in the sept, like how you go into the heart of the black forest and it's dark and it's moody and the spirits of dead heroes are challenging you to fights as you pass through. Like you can just hear the echoes of there. You call that an ax. <laughs> Show me what you're made of. You know, just like screaming from the, like just warrior after warrior. Like, Oh man, like in my soul, it's just like, Oh, I want to walk through that forest. And to hear what? those boats. It's like, <laughs> oh fuck, yeah, yeah, definitely. Your pants too low. <laughs> you call that a haircut? <laughs> <laughs> Why are your arms so small? Now, what's also cool about this, and uh, maybe, maybe this is why I like this Karen so much, and the Get as a whole. The Get have always believed in one. There's only one good thing about attacking vampires: training. That's all they are. Vampires are nothing but to be killed. They're uncompromising about it. There is no negotiation. They're the worm. They die. And I enjoy that thoroughly. Right? Because you, you, they'll die on that hill. Ask any get what you do with a worm foe that can't be beaten. Ah, chance for glory. They will go there. Put their hands and arms together. Fenris. And they're marching to the call. I love it to death. It's like very little to do it. But this one's unique. 
the Sabat are in Germany, out on the outskirts, and remember what's going on. The Camarilla have a foothold in that city, right, DJ? Mm-hmm. That's we know that they got a psychotic prince that's been holding down Germany at this point, and they've had a war-torn history here already. And so it's interesting to see that there's a tribe that's been holding out, playing whack-a-mole against the Sabat. Why the Sabat don't swallow that city? And I know people asked this a while ago. Do you feel that maybe they should update it with Germany being taken over, like you know Berlin drops because it's not Cam anymore? Because what is Brandon Steen, the prince, able to do if this like the Sabat should be able to just come in and swipe it up? It sounds like it's Sabatville. I'll tell you why. Because the Sabat that are out here, the getter almost growing them. This book reads like they're sitting back going, All right, everybody, we're in a timeout. We've been doing a lot of get we've been doing a lot of Sabat killing. When <laughs> I noticed some of our pups snuck out and killed them again. Some of our kin folks have gotten involved in the day. And you're not hunting them and you're doing your thing, and that's great. We're in dwells and it breeds, but our Sabat crop is low. Our Sabat crop is low. We need to help them grow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like they're, I, they're keeping either guinea pigs or like <laughs> like livestock. It's like, no, 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 uh, harvest. Be, be mindful of it. I, I agree. They mentioned leech hunting as a sport. Right. They use that word specifically, the sport of leech hunting. Because for them, it is, it is just a game. But you got to remember, like, if, if it's anything true with where they say and when they say that this sept was founded, that means it's been sitting in the heart of the fifes of the Black Cross since time immemorial. And I will tell you, too, of my, I'm a sucker for a good name. And I know for a fact. That this is what has won me over in the Get Offenders. The most, the best names in the world if I've ever heard. I'm going to give you two, right? Scarthroat <laughs> Leech Killer. Yes. Right? That's an amazing name. It's so good. But his father takes the cake. Raven Corpse Killer. Boom! This, this is powerful. You like concepts? I like names. There's legend in these names. There's power in these names. You can never ask what those two did. You know what they do? They kill leeches. What were they here for? To kill them all. And you're not convinced oh, them otherwise. They're stacking Bob, these things. Just the story of how this, this guy went through his first change. Why do they call him Scarthroat? Because he didn't know he was a werewolf until a gangrel was trying to tear out his throat. He changed <laughs> and then ripped the gangrel apart. <laughs> and he's, uh, he was born into killing what, vampires. It, it, it's like the gangrel and the tribute was like, yeah, I feel like picking on a wolf today. It's just a wolf because obviously it's the forest. It's like, nope, wrong fucking wolf to pick on. And there's no compromise. Right, my favorite thing about Scarthroat Leech Killer is he'll go out of his way to attack any vampire that he captures. Has even been known to use his gift, call the worm, to draw vampires into ambushes. That's yeah. all he wants to do. Now, understand what that gift does. Any worm that hears it responds to the call and comes there, which means he's smacking down Banes. They're slaughtering for Mori. They're getting rid of your corrupt <laughs> boss. They're doing all this stuff just to kill him. Get about the way one of them's a vampire, and then someone and some poor gangrel is like, "I just got here. You know, I was at the Sabat meeting. We were supposed to get." <laughs> Scarthroat loses his mind and kills that poor gay girl. And that's all he wanted to do it for. I love it. It's why? Simple. Here you have the villains being trampled upon by the werewolf bully, right? Scarthroat leech killer. It's just endless. <laughs> I adore that. I think that's fun. It's a little comeuppance for the bad guys. And it's uh, it's always going to be a win for me because it's 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 great character building. I, I My hat's off to the authors for it uh, who came up with the idea. Um, these guys were iconic and actually winning me over to werewolf because I liked how it read. And it opened my eyes to the fact that lupus is not just this uh, one-dimensional, I'm a wolf, I like to roleplay trying to open a door with my mouth, right? Bite the handle, it's cute, the puppy yep. can't get in, and that's the rope. No, these guys go deep and hard on it, and, it, and they don't have to be red talent to do it. Makes it pretty cool. I think that uh, out of all the other sets that we were taking a look at, this one was the best character-heavy one. Like, the setting was low, because you knew what you were taking a look at for is cool, but every single one of these, like, the, the people inhabiting the set are, like, Hardcore, hard, hardcore. I think my favorite character there was um, it was uh, Gaia's favorite child, I believe her name is. Yeah, and yeah. that's just a sadness to the core. It's a lupus who they found. They they attacked, and it, you could definitely tell uh, that Azumiti got her, his hands on her. 
Like, you know, you would have thought she was menaced by the way she looked, but there's like her call of a face. It's all just like flesh scarred. She has no ears. Her arms are are feeble and there are joints where they shouldn't be. And rather than be given mercy in terms of death, she's like, nope, I'm still Fenris. I'm, you know, I'm still get keep it going until I die. This person is the heart of Geta Fenris, and, and it really nails it home. So what happened is this was just a cub, and they were at a different cairn entirely, right? The, uh, the Sabbat attacked. They killed everybody but her. They said, screw it. They brought in the, the Zemis. The Zemis said, I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to vis up a, uh, a werewolf just for, just for the giggles of it. Started like <laughs> melting the face away in different adding extra joints, started like shriveling arms, just like made this werewolf's existence completely pointless, you know, out of their own kicks. Right. Of course, because, hey, we're 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 whittling down that humanity anyways. <laughs> and the uh, the great thing about this is, is that the get come back, they recapture the cairn. They look at this pup that's been mangled, mangled, and they just say, all right, we will offer you a way out. And the, and the pup just looks up and says, no. I'll either die fighting or I'll die from my wounds. Oh, but I will so accept good. no mercy. So good. It, what, what does she do? It, 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 whatever she can. That's the simple. That's the simple question. Can't fight. There's just no way. Her body won't let her. Can't regenerate that. But uh, but pick up the garbage. Um, you know, like clean up and and set down and sanctify holy sites and and the graves of the heroes of old. Yeah, she could do that. And you wonder, well, Bob, how is that strong? Because that's character strength. That's yeah. that strength of person. That's strength of honor. That's that's everything. That's determination to not relent, no matter how hard it gets, because you were put here to defend Gaia, and every little bit you do helps, no matter what it is. And she sings the redeeming quality of the Geta Fenris, because when you think, when you let one tribal camp paint the entire tribe, you miss out. It's that simple. I mean, there's a photo in this book that shows you what being a Get's all about. What, like one of the funnest things. It's two Get muscle bound to be sure. <laughs> arm wrestling on one side is nails and glass that's if you lose your arms going through it but guess what they're long enough it's also going through the winner's arm we're both bleeding together that's what's going to happen but this is about strength and who can do this the fact they stepped up to the plate and said yeah let's see who's on the bottom let's have this happen you're like awesome but then no one these two or anyone when they see the keeper of the land come around Gaia's favorite child everyone here they're a little more pissed than they were that day because when they see her man jealousy what she's crippled she can't fight yeah jealousy every day she walks around doing the one thing they can't do because they they have to earn their glory they have to mm-hmm. earn their name etched in the books and there's only one way to do it to face it down with the strength and determination she does every single day and that's and that's what it's about yep. awesome right great thing i could go on but most of it's just praise and we can uh we can fair say i already gushing over this book and this tribe alone yeah <laughs> well I'm, I'm glad we all we all like unabashedly agreed that was the greatest character yeah that's 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 easy gonna win and it steals your heart right it's like yeah do yep. your thing but here we get down i'm gonna let you two battle for this out because it's in japan that's the shadow lords and then we're introduced to a different type of shadow lord aren't we we're, we're introduced to an acceptable shadow lord in my opinion an acceptable, an acceptable shadow as he says it air quotes <laughs> let me well let me explain right it's an uh, I, was, I was talking with bob about this before um it bothers me to no end the way that shadow lords are painted in these early books like are, are the shadow lords my favorite clan no no but they are they are a, a good or um, i'm sorry a good tribe they are a good tribe and the reason that they are a good tribe is because they they believe strongly that the ends justify the means but every once in a while in here it just seems like they're just as bob said mustache twirling villains that are just here to f- mess with everyone else 
And, and that's not what the Shadow Lords do. They may challenge them to hold up to their end to be the best they can, or else we will take it from you. But And real quick, I want to give a shout out to uh, uh, the authors of this section, which is uh, Hidenobu Izumi, if I said that correct, I hope I did, and Kenneth Merrick wrote this. Uh, Hidenobu, I, w- I would strike as being uh, unique, definitely. It's not often that you uh, see them reach out and get a writer from, from the area they're writing about, uh, which I hope to God I'm right about that because I'm making that assumption with the name. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Or her. I don't really know how, how this works out. Um, but uh, that's my ignorance. But I saw this earlier and I was like, do I say something? Do I not? Um, I want to at least mention it. And uh, we'll, we'll figure that out in the notes. If uh, if you hear this, uh, Kenneth, and you could straighten us out or, or, or he didn't know you do it as well. Please reach out to us and do that as well. And uh, and we'll, we'll look into it by look into it. Um, I'll do apology backtracking and definitely giving you your credit where it's due, because uh, I would love to see what else you did. Uh, Nick, please continue. But like I was saying. In here, we see a different type of Shadow Lord, which I think is a, like a, a preview of, of a better Shadow Lord coming in the future, right? Where we're going to start getting our, our Yuri Kanitskos and, uh, and, and cool stuff like that, like coming down, down the pipe in the future. But these are the Haken, which uh, are not necessarily all Shadow Lords. It says that a lot of tribes came together and what came out was the Haken, but these are Shadow Lords in the sense that they recognize themselves as a variant of the Shadow Lords and uh, under Grandfather Thunder. So it's uh, maybe they were mostly of, of the Shadow Lord blood. But what comes out is uh, they don't even recognize themselves in comparison with Western Shadow Lords because they take their honor extremely serious. They're basically the, uh, the Bushido of the, uh, of, of, of the Guru. They, they function like samurai. They are here to serve. And, and that's what they do. And they, they take that deathly seriously. But back to the Karen. Because right. <laughs> that's really what we're talking about. Back to the Karen. You mean the set of uh, Ichio Moribashi? Yeah. What makes this place cool is that it is a level four Karen. And one of the uh, insights in there says that the homeland, and especially because of the way that um, the reverence of ancestors or spirits happen to be, this is what gives the Karen that much more strength because the populace also believes in it. So you just get that much stronger by having people do that. Not only that, but this Karen isn't also just you know, these Shadow Lords, because this is the first time that we're reading that we get introduced to these different types of Shadow Lords. So this is like an Easter egg nugget. This is one of the coolest things about this book is being introduced to the Haken, but you're also introduced to the Kitsune. Um, or the Kitsune, these are your non-tailed Fox of Legends. And between both these uh, two shifter species, they manage this Cairn. And they do so because they're under the duress of having to deal with invaders, especially vampires uh, who they've been trying to push back, um, along with Western um, Garu that tried to encroach upon their lands. Um, you know, and up to and including not only um, your your Shadow Lords, but you also do, of course, get your your typical get as well, um, who try taking it. Why? Because this land is as pure as it seems. In fact, so much so that their moon bridge is near impeccable. Is there corruption on the side? Of course there are. They're humans. You got to anticipate that being the case. But any place of power is just means it's, it's a shining beacon for someone else who respects that power and wants to take it. Once again, top two choices are always going to be the Shadow Lords and the get in this case. If we're, if we're playing, we're, we are, we're playing world. If we got this game, we got one Karen, there's another and we need help. And we need Shadow Lord help. Does this? Do you feel this is doing justice to the Shadow Lord tribe majority by showing a niche uh, ancestral side? No, right. The vast majority of Shadow Lords are not Haken. So, do you feel that places of power this does justice to them, or do you feel that this is something that would have to? Uh, like, how does this fit? It's our world of darkness. It's shared. Show me how you guys really feel about this, especially you, Nick. Your favorite Shadow Lords here. I I, I feel like this is a sneak peek of of what the Shadow Lords could have been. Right. That's a uh... Like maybe uh, under dis- different circumstance in a different scenario, they would have uh, they would have moved into the same path 
as these uh, as these Japanese uh, Hakan have. I think as well, very, very lightly. This was just built in to give you that taste of what they were going to bring in when they brought over, um, you know, the the Henja Yokai and the Eastern uh, settings. But what they try to do is they try to link it together because they give you a little bit of history. And they also talk about how the Haken are just as cunning. Um, and whereas they view their Westerns as their Western cousins as barbarians because of the way that they work in their Machiavellian schemes. These Haken will start putting into motion things that won't even come into fruition until their grandchildren come into play because that's how cunning they play their game. But that's as close as you're probably going to get to watching anything even Shadow like Shadow Lord like as to how we know it on the Western end. Yeah, it's a rough throw. I want you to imagine this time that uh, when this book comes out, we don't have any guide uh, for the world as of yet as to lead you exactly down that uh, we haven't fleshed out 100 percent what it means, how we want this to impact the world of darkness. But like you said, Nick, we this isn't unheard of. I mean, this that the company at this point has done tons of things to include uh, there. There's Faye with the Fianna. We're going to throw in Sabat to face the Geta Fenris. You know, the gang girl yep. are running with vampires and blah, blah, blah. You, that made no sense. But the gang girl are running with werewolves <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. You get the idea. This is another yeah. snippet. What I'm saying is keep an open mind. Because one of the biggest uh, things for me, I know, when I came through and went, Japan, okay, great, hang a yokai, move on. Right? I was looking for an authentic Shadowlorn care. Now i got to go, now i got to go make one. Yeah, you do. Um, is it hard? No, it's not. You have examples. These mm-hmm. are all examples mm-hmm. of cool-ass cairns that you can make and their structure. And they give you everything by the numbers, everything you could look at here. And that's that's part of their draw. I definitely do like the feel of it uh, because, one, it's in Japan. It should feel like Japan. Often we think that uh, you go to a tribe, you're there to visit Shadow Lordville and Shadow Lord Town, and it's going to be you know, Shadow Lord stuff and you pay with Shadow Lord money. Well, no. <laughs> Kyoto Japan is there. You're going to be experiencing what, what Japan's like, at least as the authors intended, uh, to, to give enough flavor where the worlds meet. And you got to keep an open mind as you go through and see it. Now, the only confusion I have here is I keep mentioning a nine tail left and right nine tails. What what is that? Uh, it's a it's a were fox, sir. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I, I know. I, well, as it turns out, we're lucky enough that they have a bunch of rules for them at the end of the book, which explains all their their crazy were fox sorcery that they, <laughs> I'm not joking with that. I right. said were fox sorcery and I meant it. Uh, they go through at the at the at the back of the book. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you guys really want to dive into into the wear foxes at all. I don't. I'm telling you that right now. No, I don't. Here's why. Um, they do an awesome job for Henge Yokai updates for the final of it. As always, we'll mention it here and how they use it because there's some cool artwork with it and read here to the story for it. But if you got the opportunity and happen to have the book uh, for the uh, Werewolf 20, grab it, use it, love it, bring it in, read about them and how they update the rules so there's not confusion. But the story is here uh, when you first see them. And it's, it's a good idea. It's an awakening world here is what we're talking about to include them in this tribe in this situation at all. Definitely worth mentioning. Um, and I'm sorry, I rolled in with uh, gushing feelings and ideals. What else you guys like about this? Uh, what I did like was they give you a couple of characters in the back, especially when they're talking about how, kind of how they come to be. Um, I think one of the better characters that I came across, uh, the first one anyway, um, was I think it may be, I'm sorry if I'm trying to figure out his name. I, I lost the name, but I, I can tell you what the character did. Uh, he he was uh, born into the Yakuza, a very small portion of it. His brother tried to remove him, left him dying in a back alley before he uh, was caught by his mentor, taught him the ways of what to be. It is to be Haken, eliminated his brother, and now he only runs a mob that's only populated by Garu. And he runs it like, in my mind, he runs it the exact same way any Yakuza member in a 90s action flick would normally do so. <laughs> it, it actually is. It's kind of like this weird this weird tale of uh, of like this this vengeance thing where this this guy just kind of decides he's going to go off and do his own thing. He's still going to do what he's going to do, but now he's going to do it for Garou. 
and you know they got ousted by a better yakuza backed by vampires so now they're over here now is it katsuto is it katsutoshi hango katsutoshi hango Katsutoshi Hango. that dude the dude (laughs) the dude Uh, it's a good character i think every one of the characters here are very intricate um and 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 open your mind uh to the differences that you can have uh because the world's a place right yep cool things uh to that end I warned you guys, I had to include them, right? There's no reason why we're not going to get into uh, the, well, Black Sprout Answer, right? Titled Beneath the Earth. Uh, Beneath the Earth is a rather interesting way to say that it's in the, it's, it, they're Karen's inside of a Thunder Maw, or a Thunder War, excuse me. Wait, 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 wait what? <laughs> so, what is the Thunder Worm? Well, it's a monster, quite frankly. It's, it's a monster of the worm. It is a unique entity. You ever, you ever been a fan of Tremors, the movie? <laughs> yeah. Or heard about it? giant worms that live beneath or even seen the movie dune right dune i mean d-u-n-e um what you have here are giant worms that live in the ground that, that shake the heavens if you will that come up and eat things that's what they do they're immense yep. monsters that's what they do there's one called the gram maw that they refer to it lovingly as and that's what the trinity hive lives in and the trinity hive is because it's the place where nuke testing took place the uh, beginning yeah it, it, well it's uh it, they, they they built the they, they built this hive at the place where the very first atomic bomb went off. It was a legendary place out in, out in New Mexico. Almogordo, New Mexico, where paste picante sauce is made. <laughs> New York City. That's, a, <laughs> that's <laughs> old school humor right there, if you know that, <laughs> without looking at your smartphone. Good on you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the cool part about this is that uh, the uniqueness, again, we're going to say this. So we're just going to go through without giving away shop here. Number one, powerful totem, the green dragon. It is a totem of strength. Uh, a frightening yep. entity that is the ferocity of which you imagine a dragon should be when you would encounter it, right? Um, the type of Karen, it's an organism. You're not going to see another if it's like, unless you make it, right? That's it's as simple as it gets. It, it, this, I think that this Karen really demonstrates flexibility in, uh, in, in perception of thought as to what makes a Karen, what makes a Sept, and what makes uh, anything holy to anybody. If, if you think about it, this is probably one of the, one of the coolest out-of-the-box ideas for a hive that you could possibly think of. What I think happened here is they were like going, well, Sam and Abene, we're interviewing you. You said you could write. We want you to be in Karen places of power. Um, we need an idea for a unique hive for Black Sprouts. You got an idea? We don't want to make it just like a hive in the ground taking from something or a hive over there. And he just looked at him and said, Thunderworm. That was it. Thunderworm. <laughs> he was like, I had this dream that we're all just worm food. Right. And then this idea came to me. What if we all lived inside of a worm? <laughs> and they said, and immediately they said, shut up and write it. Just shh, shh, shh. we want to see. And this is what he had. I love it. I love it to death. Why? Because it's a, it's a worm so immense that you could live in it. Number one, number two, right. this, think of the torment you're inside here and you're just starting out and you're young and you're like being pre-digested. You got to get, you got to bond with the toxic spirits and, and whatever other Bane spirits that are in here to be mutilated oh, and, and made immune and born again hard in here to be able to withstand survival inside of the grandma or get digested. My my favorite part is like you're not even getting in here unless you go through the umbra. Otherwise, you're just exactly. gonna get digested. How awesome is that? Because as it is, even stepping sideways is is a hard thing to do for most guru because they want that or need that reflective surface, right? Now it's it's like you you have to lead your shot because it's moving. It's not like <laughs> you have to hope it stops because it's gonna be moving the entire time. So the only way in is to kind of hitch a ride, hopefully, by stepping sideways into this and then dealing with the denizens inside this living organism. That is so out of the box crazy. How how protected is it? Very. My yes. my my holy site is mobile. Good luck. My holy site's a monster. <laughs> go ahead and find us. It needs to eat. Good to go. 
right? Mm-hmm. This, this says everything for like you. You thought your your players said they slayed it all. They can handle everything. Good luck. And if it couldn't get worse, right? They they list here a, a, like an interesting plot to walk through just to get to the interesting parts of whatever you're wanting to encounter, right? They outline this huge worm. You got lungs, you got crop, you got a hydrostatic skeleton, the gizzard. I love the uniqueness of this map of how to go through this, Karen. Um, I've used this. This is nothing short of horrific when you don't tell people that it's a thunderworm. You don't tell oh, them. Oh, man. And, and then oh, what, what, what I love the most is the end game. Let's <laughs> say you made it this far and the worm's been like gnawing at your ear the whole time. The whole it, it basically says you're not getting through here untainted if not uncorrupted, right? Like, trust me, if you made it this far, you're already gone. And the thing that it does at the very end is it uses you as a vessel to hatch another egg for another thunderworm. Yeah, yeah. That's if you're blessed. That's if you abuse a green dragon. You too can come back as your own thunderworm. But what's cool about the Black Spirals here is that they give you, a a word. art speaks a thousand words, right? A picture speaks a thousand words. And in here, (laughs) they give you exactly that, right? It's it's an odd photo that is so Black Spiral. It shows the, the maw of the worm just open and relaxed as the, as the worm just sort of relaxes out there in the middle of the desert ground, and they're going to have a moot. And so they're all around a campfire just in front of the mouth, unafraid to get swallowed. The insanity of that thought, that every time they go in, they could be digested. The worm gives no guarantees. There's no promises. And if the worm's hungry, yeah, you might be. You better know how to navigate. It's okay, Bob. You, you always might be able to come back as a thunderworm. Right. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> that's, that's a hope of some. Now, in here, the Trinity Hive being what it is, there are some famous people that are they're easily given in here. And one is wide-eyed uh, Ichthia. Ichthia. Oh, my God. I was about to go for that one, too. Go that for character's it. amazing. So go, what they mentioned in the beginning is, uh, hey, this was done at the Atomic Site, right? Guess who was at the Atomic Site? A couple Black Spiral Dancers <laughs> and this dude. Wide-eye. Wide-eye? Why is he known as Wide-eye? Because he has wide eyes. He stood too close to the blast. <laughs> He's not <laughs> like with the radiation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what makes it crazy is that he is a lieutenant, but he ends up being one of their best uh, philodoxes. And he tells the stories and he pretty much gives these pups that are in uh, the rite of passage. What makes him devious as a character, though, is long time ago, he had set a whole bunch of clicks and clacks and Morse code uh, given to the Bane Tenders Guild so that they know he's secretly working as a double agent. Now, whether or not that's true is all up to you. But I would like to think that dude suffers on the inside to get stories on the outside. What I adore about uh, White Eye and, of course, the, the pack mate here, the legendary Zizak. This is a young Zizak. This is a Zizak. Let me explain who she is first before I gush. Zizak is a woman blessed by Green Dragon. They say when she was born, she cracked her mother's pelvis and she hasn't let the, the world forget how strong she was since. Right? She came out strong, still strong, and proves it to anyone, anywhere, at any time. And the Green Dragon simply said, yes. This, this is of my ilk and hasn't left her. Like, that's just what it is. This is someone who also, because all Black Sparrows are built this way, uh, has a derangement from birth. Uh, Clasomania. She can't help but shout. Whenever she talks, it's too shout. Max volume. She's basically the drill sergeant from uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, Arlie Ermy all day. Uh, except here's the <laughs> cool thing. She's the baddest of the bad. Let's everyone know it. And dress is very unique accordingly, right? Dominatrix outfits, they've always shown Zizek in. And for the reasons that she could probably expect, we're, we're, we're there. She's a sadist, sure, but I really think whoever designed her had an idea of being a woman so badass that when you assume she's weak or she's there for one thing and you go to accept, she rips you apart easily, remorselessly, has no... I, I, I dig that so much, that here's a ferocious response to a villainous woman 
who knows one thing. If you're the Geta Fenris and you believe you're the strongest of the strong, that's because you missed her. You can't earn that title till she gets dropped. It's that simple. And she's more than willing to prove it. Don't sleep on this pack. Don't sleep on Zizak. This character will be seen again in other supplements and is a badass villain. Is just, is just one of the greats. Um, if you want to know how great, Albrecht is a Silver Fang king of the Silver Fangs as well. And he's another one. They're fated to fight. I'll give you that much. There's been novels written. There's been stories told. Don't, don't forget them. And it's going to be well worth the ride. But this hive, other than being unique, this is my favorite Karen because of its uniqueness uh, in this book. It wins, right? It just trumps it all because it makes you think bigger and better, especially when it comes to the worm being villainous, right? Nothing cookie cutter about the worm. And that's, there's a reason for that. But before I get there, is there anything else cool you guys want to mention out of here? It, this kind of reminds me a lot of the Magic School Bus episode where they just start going inside Dijek the track <laughs> system and all you hear is like, oh, that's a booty hole. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, man, this is a reason to miss a Magic School Bus. <laughs> so good. Well, what I want to tell you is that this book has been a joy, uh, the, the entirety of it. But it's uh, why, what I said in the beginning. There's not a whole lot of like in-depth telling you how to build it. They just built it. You read it and you know how they built it, right? They got it down by section. The parts of the Karen itself are here and mentioned, just like they did from the supplements. They're just showing you how to implement them. And now that you have that, you have an idea of how not to build your own. What's that? Bob, why is that? Swear off the apocalypse. We're telling a tale in a time period where these sites are dwindling. Now, you could still build your own Karen or minor Karen or whatever, or it could be a whole plot for players to try to open one, or they do open one and go from. I'm not saying don't. I'm saying canon-wise, they're literally laying the groundwork for the bigger story to unfold. And it's coming. They're just getting warmed up. They're tuning up the band, as it said. And this book, I've used, like I said, for seven campaigns. I was telling them before the cast, uh, each and every one has been unique and cool to introduce some mentors, strong mentors, good locations, quick place to go for a mood if you don't want to take them back to the same old, same old, or to get that unique info to help them move a plot along, or a savvy player who knows of these Karens being in existence. Maybe you got the lore, and you want to ask the ST, hey, would you mind have a connection to story here? Absolutely. Broaden your horizons. This book is aces for that sort of thing. But next week, Book of the Worm, folks. That's uh, I've been waiting. We've been pacing for it. I, I adore that book. Um, it is a first-end book. There's a lot of cool things in it. Uh, it's going to do one major thing. Diversify the worm again. Answer the mystery behind Pentex and the insidiousness of it. Going to show you what madness really is in regards to how they try to write about it. I feel that this is writers unbound when they started creating the inception of the Book of the Worm. And it is one of the unique books that when they do revisions and updates, they get better and better with it. They add two. They're not taking away as they go along. And this is going to be the first version of it. Follow along. I hope you get the same feel. Uh, but that's when we get to it. It's enough of that intro. Uh, Chris, Nick, thank you. Uh, it's good to be back uh, from a, for an interesting staycation, as they say. Uh, but I do appreciate it. <laughs> no worries, folks. All right, everybody. Well, stay tuned for next week. And uh, thanks for listening. As always, have a good one. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 years VTM or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade.